0: He pioneered Jets blogging and podcasting. He brought smiles to the faces of Jets fans all over the world. He was there through the good and bad. And then, one day... He vanished. People far and wide wondered, where has he gone? When will he return? Thankfully, the answer is... now. Now! The OG of Jets Podcasting and Vlogging is back.
1: Just when I thought I was out, they pulled
0: me back in. This is There's Always Next Year with Brian Bassett.
1: I'm back, the real me, let's
2: not make a whole thing of it.
0: And his co-hosts, Chef Travis Milton.
2: Today we're going to be making the students my tasty baked ziti with basil and fresh mozzarella.
0: And Josh Conrad.
2: Oh, my brother testify.
0: On Turn On The Jets Digital.
1: Welcome back to There's Always Next Here. I'm your host, Brian Bassett. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian underscore Bassett. And as always, I'm with Josh Conrad, who you can find on Twitter at Josh underscore Conrad. And our man, Travis Milton, who you can find on Twitter at dash 37 board 27. Fellas, we're going streaking. Woo!
0: Going from the quad down to the
1: gymnasium.
0: Yes, hello everybody. Is KFC on, open, Josh?
1: Come on, Snoopaloop. let's go. I mean, this is this is amazing. So the Jets have won three in a row. Obviously, the first time they've done that this season because they're four and seven, um, and they did it in a big thirty-four to three win over the Raiders. Um, I, I, I remember there was a Saturday Night Live skit when I was a kid with. Um, Chris Farley, and he's just murdering people, uh, co-hosts or whatever, kind of a um, of mice and men's homage with Lorne Michael. And he just asks Chris Farley in his best Chris Farley voice asks, Lorne, what's happening? And so guys, I got to ask what's happening, Travis, what's (laughs) happening? Uh, Josh, what's happening? Is this team coming around or are we seeing the fruits of them playing bad teams? Like what if, or is it a little bit of both? What do you think, Josh,
3: I, I do – I do I think it's a mixture. I think there's a combo of both. I think kind of what we mentioned last week, you get 10, 8, 10 games into the season, you start to know what, what your strengths are. And obviously for, for a team that's not, you know, not realistically looking at the playoffs, even though we have a 1.1% chance, according to Pro Football Talk.
1: So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! What about all that one in a million talk? <laughs> So
3: so I, I, I do feel like this does – like it, it does naturally happen when when you have a talented roster that starts to learn how to play together. And, and you know, if, if there was this actual summit between Sam and Adam Gase a few weeks ago about the actual game planning and things that Sam liked and didn't like, who knows what all those specifics are. But, you know, it, it's, it's coalescing into wins. And so, you know, I, I think we've caught a few of these teams at the right moment, I think catching the Cowboys – Um, where where they were, um, catching the Raiders right now. Obviously, some of the other victories, you know. We're we're like a win or two away, though, guys, from looking back at that Dolphins loss and the Bills week one loss and going like, holy crap, we could be 500 right now or a game over 500 and looking at the playoffs. Like, it's going to be really frustrating if we keep racking up wins and those two losses are on previously played games in the season. It looks like if those things keep us out of the playoffs – Oh my gosh, it's going to be really frustrating. But listen, we're having fun. Three three games
1: in a row is fun. That's great. Yeah. What, what do you think, Travis? Are is what we're seeing? What, what do you think? It's a a product of. Uh, I definitely I
0: definitely think it's a mix. I mean, you know, the the prior two opponents, yeah, they were obviously shit teams. Uh, the Raiders, though, I mean, they were they were a winning team. I mean, they were at six and four going in.
1: Yeah, that's right. They were six and four now six and five. Um, yeah, they, and they were. The they season, had the, you remember they had some big wins um, where they yeah. surprised some folks and after they were, the Antonio right, Brown thing.
0: I think they were slotted in at the second wild card spot. At, you know, going into to uh, that yeah, to game. The game. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I think it's a little bit of both. There was a, there was a tweet that I saw that I thought was very appropriate. I can't remember who said it, but uh, it was. You know what? This is what it boils down to. When when Gase coaches like shit, we can call him out because he's coaching like shit. When Gase coaches good, we can praise him for coaching good. There's, there, that's all there is. It, you, you know, it doesn't matter if last week you were like, oh, my God, he's terrible. This sucks. And then the next week you're like, you know what? He did a pretty good game. I mean, um, he I thought that they were – that was uh, something that's indicative to, you know, the, the other side that you were talking about is this team coming around looking at the defense and then the way they're playing, especially, you know, looking at bless Austin, like that dude's impressing the crap out of me. Um, yeah. I might have to give McAgnan a little bit of like solid mm-hmm. props on, on swinging. Like if everyone thought Jakai polite was like swinging for the fences and hoping for something great. I mean, a six round pick with two ACLs, um, or hamstrings. I can't remember what his injuries were, but I, I he's playing great. Neville Hewitt's playing great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's crazy, and I, I think that – you know, I, I think that that's one thing I might have discounted uh, in, you know, the the run up to this point of how many people were injured and how many people had to get comfortable in new roles, and I, I think one thing that we're seeing is people are getting comfortable in their roles and the scheme. It's almost like those, those first, you know, six, eight games were, were a preseason for the team that we have that's on the field
1: now. Mm-hmm. So, no, I,
0: think it, I I
1: think it, oh yeah, I was gonna say I think it's it's a valid point, um you know, that there has definitely been some learning between coaches and and players and what's working and what's not working. I mean, I think there is to Josh's point a little bit of frustration around how long it took them to to learn some of those things and not figure them out earlier on. Um, but yeah, let's. I mean, let's let's dig in a little bit. I think yeah, too. I want to talk about the offense and the defense specifically. Um, but right, I I think the biggest thing about this game was you know going into it, we had like if if you ever look at DVOA, which is Football Outsiders rank of it's essentially like efficiency for how teams are playing, and it's it looks at offense, it looks at defense, it looks at special teams. And it, you know, rolls them all up into one number called DVOA, which is defense value over average. And so that means, you know, how good are you playing against given defense's teams. Um, and so, so Miami, you know, the team that, that the Jets lost to is unsurprisingly 32nd in team efficiency, the giants, you know, so that was, that was what was made that, that, Miami loss so painful. Then they, you know, they come back, they play the giants, which is a 29th ranked DVOA team. So again, another terrible team. And then Washington, 31st ranked DVOA team. And so you see those, you see those two early wins, the giants and Washington, and their and their rankings, right? And and you're not surprised that the Jets could win against them. But then, right, you look at Oakland. Oakland is a team that was going into the game ranked 11th. So that means, you know, they're essentially, to to your point, Travis, a playoff efficiency team. Um, now, they might not end up there at the end of the season, but they're playing well, at least to this point in the season. And so, so the fact that the Jets, you know, which is, I think they're like the 30th ranked or 28th ranked team, um, you know, they they came in and beat a team that's you know much better than them. That was surprising, and so I think it's at that point where I expected them to beat up bad on bad competition, and they'll certainly get some more chances to do that over the next couple weeks. Uh, but between now and then, that Oakland game was going to stand out to me, like how you know, as kind of a litmus test for this team. And so they're passing. And so while I think right, we can all talk about the coaching and whether we like these guys or not. I think you made a great point there. Travis around you know you're going to get the blame either way or the credit and I certainly think we're seeing some of that Um, I think we also need to talk about Sam Darnold though and and his plays uh, play and so I think that that's a good uh, segue to checking the timeline so uh, let's go ahead and check the timeline Josh can you tell me was there anything on Twitter that you saw that was specifically remarkable uh, in the last couple of days from fans or Jets folks, uh, a, a stat or something that you think encapsulates things well? Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, the,
3: the Sam Donald talk has been so up and down this year. I mean, three weeks ago, we we're having a conversation of if, if he's regressing he, and, and then he rattles off three really great wins in a row. Um, and so I found this from Michael Mannier uh, talking about just his, the, the last two weeks now. So, Uh, His tweet said that Sam Darnold is the youngest player to throw for 290 plus yards and post a 120.0 plus passer rating in back-to-back games. He's 22 years old and 172 days. He's also the first player to post 290 yards and 120 plus passer rating three times before turning 23. Um, Now, two things I think are at play here. One, obviously the league is so much more friendly to to quarterbacks and and, and the way that offenses can run now. and, And I get all that, but... It, it is remarkable to think back now, like, to his draft class, to the class just before him and just after him, like, you know, so much attention has been paid to, to Baker Mayfield and to Lamar Jackson, rightfully for Lamar Jackson, um, Kyler Murray playing really well. He's, he's, he's the only guy in back-to-back games to, to string these two things along. And so, obviously, that's also to your competition. I get all those things, but, like, the arrow is pointing up here for Sam Darnold again, and I feel like, you know, we're going to start – having a conversation really soon maybe even before the end of this year again like if if it's him and baker kind of tied to each other in their draft class and the immediate result was baker was better because of of the numbers he posted last year um sam darnold is steadily increasing um his efficiency he's putting up stats that are winning football games like and and he's doing it with with a kind of a ragtag offensive line in front of him and you know weapons that have been inconsistent at best and so man like I feel really great about Sam Darnold right now. And I know that's a little bit mm-hmm. non, you know, not, not a shocking thing to say, but guys, we, we got a quarterback.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's absolutely true. And I think you'd look at the, you know, if you look at the box score or you watch the game, you know, he was pretty clean all game, right. He wasn't getting a lot of pressures. He was certainly rolling out and, you know, hitting some big, you know, some big uh, completions like the one he had to Robbie Anderson. Um, uh, you know, on those on those rollouts, kind of uh, you know ad lib plays. Uh, Travis, when you watch the offensive line, is it is it a function of Sam Darnold figuring out the protections, or is it a function of the offensive line being better? Um, I think it's a combination of, of Sam and the line mm.
0: figuring out protections. Um, the uh, which which was has always been troubling to me you know, throughout the season uh, watching watching a center that that doesn't know where he's supposed to go and if he doesn't know where he's supposed to go what is he telling everyone else to do um so i think that that they have been able to come together a little bit kelvin beecham is seems to be a factor in this somehow of, of of darnold's resurgence um but i i think it's it really goes back to we've talked about this a whole lot with with Darnold actually settling down and getting out of his own head and and playing football um Mm -hmm. I I think yeah I'm very hesitant to give a lot of credit to this offensive line but I think that they have started to figure out a couple of things uh when I see the running game start to really take off that's when I'll you know I'll, I'll give them a little bit of kudos but for for now, I that may not happen in 2019. No, it's not. For now, I think it's it's Sam is making them look better as opposed to them making Sam look better.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's that's spot on. And I think you know to to that point, right? Like Josh, you know, your your elation around his play is is fully warranted, and I think. You know, we looked at the end of last year, right? And and he was starting to come along. He was starting to figure it out. Then, you know, they scrapped the coaching staff. They start again. And, right, there was some, obviously the, the health issues early in the, at the start of the season and then coming back off that and then playing against the Patriots. And so there's a lot of, you know... I'm I'm telling a lot of narratives here at this point about Sam Darnold and kind of explaining away his bad play, um, and so so seeing what he did against Oakland, which is you know it's a decent defense, it's a pretty good defense, not not certainly not the Patriots or anything, um, but you're starting to see that confidence build, his rapport with his receivers, knowing where to find them, they're knowing you know what he's going to do on a given on a given play. Uh, So there, yeah, I think you're getting a little bit of of confidence building there. So, so yeah, I think it's fully warranted to, to look at his numbers and look at that. And I think that's been the the whole thing with him the whole time is he's one of the youngest quarterbacks to ever play the game. And there's going to be some, some bumps, but at the same time, he's one of the youngest quarterbacks to ever play the game. uh, And that is, uh, that, that is a credit in his favor, you know, that he was so phenomenal at the college level that he got to come out that early. And so, so right, if, if he can get, you know, continue to stay healthy, continue to learn, have some consistency offensively, one would hope, um, right, by the time he's 27, I mean, yes, he could, he could very well be one, one of the top five, if not top three or top two quarterbacks in the league. Um, do you think, though, Josh, I'm curious – you said, you know, we got a quarterback. You look at someone like M- Lamar Jackson or, you know, Pat Mahomes or, you know, some of the other players in the league right now. Do you think this league still <laughs> favors someone like Darnold or Baker Mayfield as opposed to kind of more of this, you know, running threat like a L- Lamar Jackson type? Mahomes doesn't really run as much as, um, th- maybe I'm thinking more like Ky- Kyler Murray um, that, that tend to run a little bit more. Do you feel like that pocket passer is still something that, you know, will be, uh, have a high value in in five, 10 years in the league.
3: Yeah. I, I think, I, I think we are certainly seeing a trend that's going to continue like getting, getting your quarterback out, out um, into the flats and and make some plays. Like part of what I'm seeing, at least from Darnold and, you know, some of it's, some of it's maybe design and some of it is, he has, you know, in a, a mash unit in front of him um, on that offensive line. So he might be fleeing for his life as well. But, you know, I, He's athletic enough, and I feel like you know, even if he's not a running threat, I think about that one, uh, that one play uh, he rolled out. I, I might the second or third quarter. Is the big Robbie Anderson throw between yes. two defenders, and Robbie Anderson catches the ball? And I'm listening to the broadcast, and um, the, I forget who it was even commenting from the booth, but he's he had said, "Man, I I almost yelled out you need to run!' Like if you look back and you freeze frame right before <laughs> he, he throws, totally that ball open, out, yeah." you had like 35 yards to to Mm -hmm. run and I listen the throw is great like I I know Jets fans went nuts and oh my gosh what a play the right play was to run the ball like the right play was to take off and run for maybe 15 yards there instead of risking that pass into double coverage now it's a great it's a great catch and you know Sam puts it right over the front defender but you know it's more of a you know just the percentages on on a play Mm -hmm. like that are, are to run it and so like certainly there's, there's a little more maturation and maybe confidence from, from Darnold to, to actually go ahead and, and run past the line of scrimmage. But I think he has the skill set. I mean, he's constantly having to move and again, whether it's by design or whether it's he's doing it for, for his own, his own self protection, but you know, he's, he's, he's he is running around a lot. He's very athletic. I feel like, I feel like he fits. I feel like he fits where the, the position is going, whether or not he's going to take off for 40 yard runs and, run past defensive backs and, 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 and linebackers is, is to be seen. But, you know, I, I feel like we have a guy that that fits the current mode of where NFL offenses are progressing. Um, so I, I feel confident in him, even if he's not top flight speed, but but he can be
1: evasive. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's still going to be a place for it. Certainly uh, the league is, is changing the style of play, and that's great. Uh, but – having a pocket passer is never going to be a bad thing and right he's athletic and will be able to pull off scrambles for the next you know five plus years if he can stay healthy and yeah I mean I I don't blame him for for not wanting to run the ball kind of be a quarterback in that instance especially you know with his health issues earlier the year maybe he's still thinking about that a little bit but um but so I saw another tweet from our um our capo uh, Joe Caporoso, who he, he, this is kind of a nesting doll tweet. So forgive me. So Connor Hughes wrote an article about, um, you know, how the coaches, uh, the the players, excuse me, are kind of, um, you know, they're, they're sticking with Adam Gase and, you know, they've kind of stuck with him throughout and he's really the center of this team. And then a guy named Travis Wingfield, who writes, or he does like lockdown dolphins, I guess, podcast. He wrote this clearly, um, a sarcastic tweet, and it says the Jets are buying back into Adam Gase, and it's glorious. And so again, nesting doll up. So then Joe Caparoso, um, you know, you like retweets that, and then and he adds this thought at the top, which is you know. So the idea is the the Jets are buying back into Gase, that kind of a thing. And he says um, Caparoso says in reply to that, "I'll be fully bought in on Gase when the Jets are over five hundred in late December, slash in the playoffs." Um, But in a week-to-week league, you have to credit good games and call it the bad games. Travis, I think this is what you were talking about. Hot trash against New England, Jacksonville, Miami. Better against New York Giants. Good against Washington. Great against Oakland. And so, right, I think that's the the point here is uh, there's so much week-to-week overreaction. And I would say I'm guilty of that. Uh, But Gase looked truly dreadful in some of those games in the new England game in the Jacksonville game in the Miami game more than I mean I'm not gonna fault them for having a bad game against the Patriots but against Miami you can definitely fault the coach for having a bad game against that team so so right am I saying hey things are going well sure but it doesn't always have to be a function of, of the coach uh, and I've, I've been a big believer of that it's To me, it's more about the players than the coaching. And when you have some some kind of star players, I certainly think that's helping. And right, you know, Sam Darnold's play is is helping you know raise the tide for all boats. Would you Would you agree? And you know, Jamal Adams defensively, would you agree with that? Like this idea that hey, you've already talked about a little bit, Travis. That but we're going week to week here, and um, it's okay to cheer on the Jets and be happy for their success. But also at the same time to be dubious of of Adam GaSe, right? I mean, I think so. That's I mean that's how I'm gonna live my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> play on, player. Play on. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: Okay. Yeah, yeah. I in, like I, it is. It is like it, looking now back at the losses we've had and the victories we've had. We knew this was this this was the section of the season where there were going to be some wins, regardless of. You know, if every single one of them pans out, whatever, it's still it's still not a great football team. But like you do get the sense that if we had better coaching, like I know I know it's well, well, who's right, who's wrong now? They're four and seven. They're trending up. Listen, we could be six and five right now. Like there's there are definitely degrees we left on the field due to bad coaching. So like let's not now jump on. Well, Adam Gase is doing great. I know last week I said I'm not as angry at him. But right. the more wins we have now, guys, I'm actually like the early part of this season with a guy that's coached enough in the NFL, should beat a team like the Bills with a giant lead at halftime, going into the fourth quarter up two scores. You need to win that game. You need to beat a team that's actively tanking in the Dolphins. Like there's no excuses for those two losses. And if you change those to victories, we're sitting at six and five, we're right in the wild card hunt.
2: Get 25% off all products at Sundayscarries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at Sundayscarries.com when you use the code OVERTIME.
4: Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60 game sprint or wherever you get your podcasts play
0: like a jet play like a jet hey guys before i give you back to brian just want to remind you about the great deal that you can get over at vivid seats when you download the vivid seats mobile app the jets are playing the Bengals on sunday it's in cincinnati and for anybody that's considering going to the game, make sure that you download the Vivid Seats mobile app right now and use the promo code Overtime. You'll get up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase, which could be that game between the Jets and the Bengals in Cincinnati, or it could be something else. Maybe there's a concert coming to town that you want to see. Maybe there's another sporting event, basketball or hockey. Perhaps you want to go to a wrestling show. Whatever it is you want to do, you can get yourself some really good tickets for it and do it at a discount when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app and use the promo code Overtime and get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. All right, Brian, sorry about that. Go ahead, my man.
1: One of the people I respect most on the planet in terms of his thoughts around the NFL and specifically the Jets is um, the, the founder of Over the Cap, Jason. His, his Twitter handle is Jason underscore OTC. And he wrote this in reply to, to Joe, which was, he says it and this is as a Jets fan, keep in mind, hard to buy into a guy whose career is basically being at seven wins with a locker room that generally can't wait to go elsewhere, right? And so that's the point is yes, we're seeing some temporary success. Let's see how this plays out, and let's see, you know, whether the players, you know, when it's time for their next contract, they're staying or they're going, right? That that's gonna be the the, the real test. But all right, so we need to move on a little bit. So we've talked a little bit about the offense and we've talked a little bit about the defense. I want to dive in a little bit more. Before we uh, before we sign off here, so the offense is clicking, right? And I think there's a couple things we need to call out specifically. Um, Number one, to see Le'Veon Bell, and I think this is to the point of what uh, what Travis you were saying. um, The offense, the the ground running game is not working super well, and that's a function of the line. But you know, you see some of these plays where Le'Veon Bell is playing as a receiver, and he's 20 yards downfield, I mean, that is so valuable to this team to have a guy like that who could essentially be a, you know, maybe fringe, all, you know, pro bowl slot receiver, um, you know, playing down, playing snaps at running back, uh, you know, who that if they actually had an offensive line, he could use well, but he's still valuable even when they can't run the ball, that he's making those big catches or, you know, first down catches. I mean, there's so much value in that. And then, you know, just seeing, while I certainly think you know Sam going to be the star, um, but you know every good rock band you need kind of a, a counterpoint, and I think Le'Veon Bell is great. But I, I'm thinking more at the like wide receiver position. So they, so I, my question is like I'm loving what we're seeing from Crowder and Anderson and even Demarius Thomas. You know as kind of a red zone threat. Um, you know the uh, Ryan Griffin. They just gave him an extension. Berrios had a had a breakout catch there yesterday. But you know think about this team if they get a star wide receiver in the next couple of years like what could this you know duo tandem look like and it's it's too early to start thinking about the draft and and who they would get there but um I guess just what I'm trying to ask you guys Josh I'll start with you is like if they had you know, a even a Debo Samuel or an AJ Brown or you know some guy who's like a rookie coming in next year who's kind of a dog, right? Like he's ready to come, he's ready to play, uh, and he's gonna and he's gonna make an impact, even if it's not like Julio Julio Jones level impact. Um, do you think that that could take this passing game to a whole other level if they draft a guy like that in 2020? I definitely think so. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I, I didn't hear that's if he no, me no, or ahead.
0: you. I just chimed in. Keep going. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that no. the, the fact that the fact that they are splitting out Le'Veon Bell wide uh, is huge. Um, it, and you can see, you know, the fact that it's happened like the past three weeks. I think that that's a huge component of why we are playing better on on offense. Um, so getting a, a, a wide out out there that's even more of a threat, because Le'Veon Bell, no matter where he's at, he's somebody that you've got to take into account. Um, and if he's not in the backfield, that means, you know, you've got to you've gotta pay attention to him, you know, split out, which is opening things up for everybody else. So yes, if we get a a legit true number one wide out, you know, it's gonna open things up even more for Crowder, even more for a if he's back. Um you know, I, I think that, that that's something that a lot of us thought would happen more often earlier in the season. And I think Gase was very stubborn about it and I think now that he's come around to it, and I think he came around to it just out of necessity, pure necessity, and it's showing that it works, and, and it gives me a lot of hope for the receiving core in the offense next year. Um, again, aptly named podcast. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think if we – with with the receiver depth and the draft being so big, I think that we can we can hit on something pretty well. Uh, at some point in the first or second and and vastly improve this offense
1: yeah and i think it's you know josh i'm curious what you think because i know you watch the college game more than i do by a by a wide margin Uh, but right everything i hear is that this class is loaded with skill position players there's certainly some guys at the very top of the class that are going to go quick but you generally the thought is whenever you have a very loaded class like the value that you can get in successive rounds, like even as far down as the third or fourth round, you can get a pretty solid player. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think about, uh, you know, the type of player that they'd want to get. Like, I'm not necessarily looking for a, like a Des Bryant type. I don't think they need that sort of a player, like a, you know, big, you know, bully receiver that I think what this team needs and could really use because, you be, because Adam Gase is going to be here next year and because he seems to love to use the slot and that's becoming much more kind of a pumped up slot receiver. The, the league is much more trending towards that type towards the, you know, the Chris Godwin, the Christian Kirk, the Stefan Diggs type alpha receivers. Um, you know, those guys are not bigger than 6'2. two, they're not, you know, 230 pounds. They're, they're closer to 200 pounds. Um, but that they can play that role, um, and be super productive, um, kind of like the next version of like what Larry Fitzgerald is like, who, who, as you look to this class, just do, you, are there names of folks that you can think of? I know we've got, you know, Judy up at the top and a couple other guys, other guys in that next tier down that you've kind of kept your eye on at yes. all. Okay. Who? Yeah.
3: So, so there, there are two guys I really like Judy. Judy's going to be, it, like he's going to be top. a tough fight. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be way way up there. And obviously it depends on who ends up being up there. We know the Bengals are going to be up there, the Dolphins, the Redskins, like Denver, Atlanta, Detroit, the Giants and us. It's like it, there's going to be this mix of teams right right up there. Um what what will be interesting is to see where the Jets actually land on this because if mm-hmm. they're in the top Winning. 10 and let's say Let's say, we, let's say we top out at five wins or six wins, you know, like let's say we're going to be in the top 10. Um, th- there's two, two really great guys that I don't feel like our reaches. One of them um, is CD lamb out of Oklahoma. Like he is, he's exactly basically what you just described. He's a, he's a six 2 maybe a little under two and like a shade under 200 pounds and just like ridiculously talented wide receiver that feels like one of those guys. And the other guy that I really like, actually even better um, is Justin Jefferson out of LSU who has like, he has Odell-type hands and, like, Odell-type elusiveness, and I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, NFL teams are going to do their due diligence. This could be a really interesting draft in which some teams that are maybe a, a playmaker away, um, you know, go down the line a little bit further to teams that are, might be floating around, sniffing around the playoffs. You know, but is it the Bills? Is it, you know, a, a team like, you know, uh, Indianapolis? Like, are there mm-hmm. teams that are Tennessee, maybe guys that, that – teams that need another playmaker like you might see teams trading up to get some of these receivers and I like you know there could be five receivers gone in the first 20 picks like there's that there's that much depth way up at the top of this draft but those are two names to look at and I and these aren't listen I'm not like some guru like I'm telling you CeeDee Lamb when I see highlights out of Oklahoma yeah. and Justin Jefferson out of LSU like those are two guys you put them on this Jets team as it's configured hopefully we still address the offensive line at the very yes. high end of this draft but if we can land one of those two guys in that first or second round man we'd be we'd be really happy with those guys i think
1: yeah. I mean, I think you, you know, you use the, you use, um you know, free agency to, I mean, it's going to all going to depend on who's available, but you certainly shore up the offensive line. You come back in the draft and you get some more offensive line players. You use one, you you kind of like limit yourself in terms of the, the number of skill position players you're going to, you're going to take in the draft and right. You kind of get one impact player and then you just pound depth, you know, at, You know, other positions defensively, certainly cornerback, maybe you can get someone in free agency there. But um, yeah, I think I want to talk a little bit about defense now. Um, You know, so it was an interesting game yesterday. Oakland has played, as we've said, you know, pretty decently over the course of the season. Um, you know the Jets have the 11th ranked defense in the league if you look at football outsiders and their kind of defensive rankings um, but you know and, and their offense had been 32nd and so I think we're going to start to see those two things normalize a little bit uh, well I, mean, I think the defense will stay where they are maybe even go up offense is going to start coming up um, and so the, the way that you know you look at the game yesterday Oakland only put three points on the game but it wasn't like there was a ton of massive impact plays tons of sacks I, mean, I guess there was the one interception return um but other than that it was you know pretty much just um you know squeeze the life out of them on third down and you know over time and it seemed to work um travis you talked a little bit about bless austin and kind of what he's done how do you feel like he's the kind of player as we round into 2020 like what where do you want him slotted in? If they can add other players at the cornerback position, where is Bless in kind of your you know one two three four you know cornerback rankings?
0: I I think right now like if, if going into next year we we had Austin and Pool um, or a or, or, uh, Pool yeah Austin and Poole, respectively at yeah CB two and and Nickel. Um, I think that that would be a really good spot, i mean obviously, depending on what 's available i, I 've I've become overly dubious of of uh free agent cornerbacks over the past Right, few yeah years Tremaine and Johnson done.
1: has end buster screen of cured us of that right
0: yeah, and even durrell Rebus I mean the second time around Yeah, second um, time
1: yeah good point
0: so i 've become a little dubious of, of what we can get there, but i think if I think if we could get an, a, a solid number two corner that you know what i've seen out of bless austin in such a small amount of time i think he has the potential to be a a phenomenal number one cornerback i don't know if a, a true shutdown cornerback but i i think that he has the the opportunity and the potential to be to be a number one i just don't I, I don't know with the amount of playing time that he's missed um that he can he can fulfill that role that quickly but i mean he's, he's doing it right now you know so the, there is a lot of hope there for me um but I would say, like, if, if anything, in the, the Gase conversation, the Bless conversation, or Bless Austin conversation, um, all of this, like, one thing that I'm taking away from the way the team's playing right now is I'm, I'm actually coming around on Greg Williams. Like, he's doing a lot with a little right now. Mm-hmm. And it, it really, you know, I think uh, somebody, somebody tweeted out that the Jets defense, you know, their, their, their plan was to shut the screen door. And that, that's what they did. Like, the screen door is third down. Um, you're not slamming the door in their face, but, you know, you're not letting them – not letting them, you know, get 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 everything. So uh, it's it's been pretty awesome watching the defense these past few games. And bless Austin is – you know, I, I've got very high hopes for that guy.
1: Yeah, and I think to your point, like I remember when they drafted him, like writing or tw- tweeting or something about him and saying – you know, hey, this feels like a Dexter McDougall situation. This is a very talented, like you know, well-regarded player, high-ranked player, and we're getting a discount on him because of his injuries. And and as a result, like you have to look at it. I remember, I remember sp- very specifically thinking and writing this, like this is a 2020 pick, not a 2019 pick, because you just, you had to assume that it was going to be hard for him to come back off his injuries. So the fact that not only has he come back off those injuries, which are, you know, certainly concerning for the for the, the duration of his career, uh, but has played at the level that he's played at, shows that those, you know, those those ACLs, or, yeah, I think it was ACLs with him, um, you know, that, that happened really derailed his, value in in the draft um had he not had those he might have been a second round or even a first round pick uh and so i think you start to look at you know there's a great site called player profiler and they have all kinds of players on there and comparisons and stuff and uh one of the things they have is like just different opportunity and productivity numbers so while his opportunity has been has been you know low because he didn't start playing you know, er, earlier in the season, you know, his his rankings in terms of how he plays and how many targets, you know, like he sees and then, you know, the amount of separation that he allows between himself and a receiver, like all very high ranking. I think he's number two in target separation and then number one in receptions allowed so far this season. So like, he's come out of nowhere and just been a bolt. So, so right. Like I I think the one thing that I do worry about him is because of his injury history, um, you know, were those just freak things or is that something that this is a player we can rely on right as a CB two and then, you know, build around them. And then, you know, uh, other injuries. I mean, it it is a, it is a collision sport. There are going to be more injuries in the future. uh, But right. How, you know, I, You really got to hope that the conditioning program with the Jets, that they get him set up in a way where he's not going to have repeated ACLs, because that would be, I think, a big blow to um, however Joe Douglas will go and try and build this franchise, um, you know, in future years, if he's going to use him as a cornerstone piece, like he has to be careful, right? Because if he he builds around him too much and then he gets injured, that could really derail a defense too. Um, but, right, I, I mean, an incredible player, incredible find, incredible uh, value that we've already gained from him so far this season. So, uh, I mean, you think about that, you think about, like, well, I mean, I saw a report that, you know, C.J. Mosley's going to try and practice this week. Like, if we could get C.J. Mosley healthy, like, this could be a great defense, right? <laughs> just, just on if Bless Austin can keep playing at the level he's playing and C.J. Mosley can actually get on the field, like, you know, that could really supercharge this defense. Right, Josh? Yeah, I definitely. I mean, bless Austin has been a
3: revelation. And and you hope, obviously, like with Joe Douglas um, making some picks over the next couple of years, hopefully with us, that, that we're going to be addressing this position pretty intensely. It's, it's really defensive backs and offensive line that feels like it needs the most help. Um, and maybe not even in that order. But, you know, part of Sunday was interesting, too. I mean, the, the Raiders came in and, like, they, they actually have a, a pretty decently rated passing offense mm. and they really couldn't get anything going, which I know is a Testament to obviously the game plan and the overall defense and getting pressure and all those things. But it seemed like, you know, from, from, from our core, from our defensive back core, who we have complained about most of the last two years together, guys, <laughs> like, man, like it, it held up on Sunday. Like they looked, they looked competent. Like they yeah. were making their, they were pressuring and really contending a lot of passes. Um, they, they weren't get dog all day. Yeah, not <laughs> terrible. not terrible for the win. Tonight. Hooray! So, you know, like like there is some signs of life back there. And man, if we can add an actual cornerback one to that to that you know that contingent with Jamal calling out calling the shots, like get CJ Mosley back on the field, address the offense. Guys, we do this every year. I feel optimistic about next season.
0: <laughs> oh my God, here we go! Just
1: think yeah, about where we were like four weeks ago. Uh, we got to stop. We, I, th- I think we got to. We got to. Oh man, this is this is bad news. We're we're look. We do this all the time to ourselves. Why do we? Why do we keep doing this? Oh my goodness. Um, I love it, and I and I hate myself. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the thing, right? I'm a big believer in kind of all the time that I like when I was writing and blogging about the Jets, like you just see this pattern emerge time and time and time again with, you know, wide receivers and cornerbacks where if you have, like, a true stud number one receiver or number one cornerback, like, everything else falls in line so quickly. Like, when we had Darrell Revis, like, when you knew – you just didn't have to worry about, you know, whoever he was covering or that side of the field or whatever it was Um, like that made life so much easier on the players that do need more help. Right. And so I'm not saying bless Austin is, you know, Austin Island or anything yet, but, but at the same time, when you do have that, it affords you, it's such a luxury because it affords um, the, the coaching staff to scheme where you really need the help. Um, and so and 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 you know kind of conversely on um, when you're a wide receiver you know if you it doesn't matter who you're matched up against if you can just dominate that player it creates all kinds of other mismatches in your in your passing game and so so yeah I, our hope here is are we we're starting to see some building blocks emerge and while we st- still have lots of work to do um, you know there's there's a uh, there's a A hint of hope, a hint of hope, gentlemen. So we'll leave you there with hope. Hope is the theme. We're going to see how the rest of the season goes. But, yes, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that the players are prevailing and the coaches are figuring out how to use their players. Hooray. What do you say, fellas? I'm just stoked that uh,
0: they didn't screw me because I had the option of watching UVA basketball, (laughs) whose odds are going to win. Or the Jets, and I watched the Jets, and they—they, they, if they had lost, I would have been pissed.
1: <laughs> well, good. Well, good. I'm glad for that. All right, Josh. All right, Travis. For you both, thank you so much for your time. Make sure to rate and review the Play Like a Jet feed. Thanks to Play Like a Jet. Thanks to Turn On the Jets um, for all their help and support in this podcast, and we will talk to you next week. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone.